Pastor Chris's podcast. And now I want to share one of the ramifications of that resurrection. But first, let's read Paul's words about the resurrection from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 through 26. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ has been raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Christians have incredible hope. We believe our hope transcends what happens in this life. The fact is, some of the problems in this life aren't going to be put right in this life. There is no greater example of this than what happened to Jesus. Here was an absolutely innocent man, the very best kind of man who ever lived, who was humble and yet full of incredible power to heal the sick, bring sight to the blind, help the deaf to hear. Jesus only ever loved and helped people. Yet he was arrested on trumped up charges, tried in the middle of the night, tortured and executed. The greatest injustice ever wrought on the earth. If that was the end of the story then it would be the most tragic story ever told. We would not be gathered here to celebrate that. But that wasn't the end of the story. We are here on a Sunday that is traditionally the most well-attended Sunday at churches ever, all year long, because we celebrate Christ's resurrection. And resurrection means... Death is not the end. This life, (coughs) with all its troubles, many of which are never resolved in this life, is not the end of the story. Christians believe that what is not resolved in this life, God will make right in eternity. The Bible calls Jesus the first fruit. In the translation we read today, he says he is the first of a great harvest, the first fruit. What this means is that his resurrection is the example of what will happen to all followers, all of his followers. Now, I'm like a lot of people over the last two years since we started the pandemic. I got really excited and involved in gardening because, you know, it 
the pandemic hit right at the beginning of springtime and we couldn't go anywhere and do anything so we all went out in our yards and started growing stuff or a lot of people did anyway and a lot of people right now because we a lot of people wait until Easter and they start planting in their garden and so a lot of people right now are putting out things like tomato plants and there's nothing better in the middle of summer than a tomato sandwich that is just a juicy tomato sandwich all oh, that is so good and so a lot of people that are planting tomatoes now are going to be tending them and looking forward to June or July when that first tomato comes on their vine and so you'll be taking care and waiting for that and then that tomato comes but it's green it's not ready for harvest yet and then finally it will turn red and you pick it but you still don't know is it good or not <clears throat> so you take that first tomato inside and you slice it open and you taste it and it's the is it the right texture is it the right sweetness is it good and yes it is and you celebrate that your first tomato really tastes good <clears throat> and that's a wonderful thing but then you what's even more wonderful is that you know it's not going to be the only one there's going to be a whole bunch of other tomatoes that are coming along after it and they're going to taste just like the first one well Jesus is the first fruit just like Christ died, we all die. But hang on. It also means that just like he rose to new and eternal life, so will we. If we follow him, we will follow and do what he has done. So if we want to know what is in store for us in this life, we just have to look to Jesus. He shows us what it will be like. One of the unexpected things that strikes me about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this. He had scars. Have you ever thought about that? One of the ways that the early disciples knew they were actually talking to the resurrected Jesus and not some other person who was pretending to be Jesus was his scars. Remember that he was nailed to a cross until he died. Nails through his hands. And to make sure that he was dead, the soldier thrust a spear into his side to make sure that he was dead. So one of the ways that Jesus authenticated his identity after the resurrection was to point to his scars. He would say to people, you know, because, I mean, obviously people would be, you know, in disbelief. I saw you die. I saw you put in the grave. I... I don't know if this person standing in front of me really is Jesus or is it someone who looks like him. And he would say, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at the scar where they thrust the spear in my side. It really is me. And I want to point out to you that these scars were not gross festering wounds. These scars were fully healed. They were fully made right and whole again, but they weren't erased from his body. They were there, but they were somehow beautiful, beautiful scars. These scars were a badge of honor. It was as if Christ could say, look at my scars. He could say, hallelujah, look at my scars, right? 
And they would celebrate. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And these scars prove that it is him. Well, maybe you have some scars. Do you have any physical scars that you received somewhere along the way in your life? Do you have a story that goes along with them? I, I got a scar one time doing something really stupid. And, and um, a good friend said, look, don't tell people that you got a scar doing that. Tell them that a bear attacked you or something and you fought it off. That's a much better story. But I have a friend um, who, who, who actually has a scar and he loves to tell people about it. He says, I don't have a belly button. He doesn't have a belly button. He's the only person I've ever known that doesn't have a belly button. Because apparently when he was a child, he had a surgery, and somehow or another, that erased his belly button. So that's his scar. And he'll meet you and say, hi, I'm David, Be- I'm David Maguziak. I don't have a belly button. And, you know, you remember that. <laughs> you will remember that. Do you have a scar that tells a story? Jesus' scar, his scars tell the story of a man who was absolutely the perfect son of God, worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And yet, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. So when Christ shows his scars, they are the highest badge of honor that has ever been or could ever be traced upon human skin. And that got me to thinking about what scars we may have now. Scars that we've received from our own personal tragedies, whether physical or spiritual or emotional. And perhaps, perhaps they won't be completely gone when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe they will be like Jesus' scars. They will be there to remind us and to remind others who we are and what we've been through. But they will also not be Horrific reminders. They will be like Jesus scars, beautiful badges of honor that God has miraculously transformed so that we will gladly show them to people. And we will say, look, look at my scars. Look, don't you remember how when I was living in the world, these were the things I struggled with. Look, though, how Christ has transformed me and I made it through that. Or we might say, remember that terrible thing that happened, that divorce that I went through, or or my loved one that passed away. Or remember how through life I, I struggled with that physical ailment all the days of my life. 
And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for it to be gone, but it was never gone. Look, do you see the scars? But now look how beautiful it is because it tells the story of how I was not alone even when I thought that I was alone. But Christ was there. He was with me and he was carrying me and he brought me through it. And now here I am. Look at me. Look at these beautiful scars that tell of the redemption of Christ in my life. Look, remember how I struggled with whether, whether that job that I had or that thing that I thought I had put all my hopes in, but I was so disillusioned by it. But now Christ helped bring me through that and brought me through to a new place in my life and a new understanding. Look at the scars that tell you the story of my life, but not just the story of how I survived, but how Christ brought me through it. Look at these beautiful scars. It really is me. But praise God, my wounds have been healed by the blood of the Lamb. What would that mean for you? What wounds have you received? What scars do you bear now? The Apostle Paul, who wrote so brilliantly about the good news of Christ, who spent so much of his life passionately working to convince people that Christ was Lord and Savior so that they could find eternal life and salvation, he shared some of his own struggles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he said, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And people have wondered, as he alluded to that thorn in his side, people have, people have wondered, what was that thorn? What was that? People speculated, but we don't know for sure what it is. There's no record left as to what it was. So people have to guess. And some people have wondered if maybe it was a speech impediment. Because Paul was a, was a passionate speaker telling people about Christ. And it must have just eaten him up inside. You know, if you had a speech impediment. Because it doesn't matter how brilliant your arguments and how forceful they are. What, there's always going to be some people... Who don't listen to what you're saying, only listen to your speech impediment. Right? And that must have been something that he, he struggled with. Could have been. Or some people said, well, it could have been a wound that he had received. Because we know from Paul, he, he said, you know, I have been beaten. I've been whipped. They dragged me out of a city one time because I was preaching about Christ. They dragged me out and they tried to stone me to death. But I survived. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine people picking up rocks and throwing them at you until you are almost dead and then walking away and you somehow survived it to live and tell about it? And it could be that some of those wounds never fully healed. Maybe he had broken bones that didn't get reset right and he limped. And some people have said, well, maybe that's what it was, that thorn in his side. Or it could have been a crippling ailment like arthritis or chronic eye problem, malaria, migraine. Could have been epilepsy. We don't know. But we do know this. 
Paul was a man, just like many of, many of us are, when we have a painful, nagging problem. He wanted to be free of it. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, three different times, I begged that the Lord would take this thorn away from me. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes God brings healing for our physical, spiritual, emotional wounds in this lifetime. And when he does, it, is, it brings glory to his name. Sometimes we must bear up under our wounds with God's help until God heals us in eternity. When we endure our hardships, it brings him even more glory. But I believe that there will be a great reward in this too. For the wounds and the scars we've carried in this life will not be anything for which we will be ashamed in eternity. Perhaps they will be like Jesus' scars that he gladly shows. Perhaps they will be our beautiful badges of honor in the next life. That's what the power of Christ's resurrection does. It has the power to transform death into life. Look at the cross. It started out as a symbol of the cruelest, most shameful form of execution known to man. Easter transformed the cross into the greatest symbol of hope and love that we have in the world today. Christ's resurrection changed the most evil act humanity could do, murdering the Son of God, into the greatest act act of grace and salvation God could offer. Jesus was the first fruit. He is the example of what we will experience if we follow him. We can't imagine how the resurrection to eternal life will completely transform us. Even transforming our scars. So as you go through this life and face whatever trials and sorrows and burdens you must bear. Find hope in the resurrection. Because the resurrection changes everything. And the resurrection can change you. Both now and for eternity. I pray that God will open your eyes to see things as he sees them. I pray that you will see your wounds as the future glory of God's triumphant grace. And so now I would plead with you. Believe in the good news about the resurrected Jesus. And follow him and be saved. And be transformed by his grace. Amen. Amen.